Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Detour Life. Detour Life is a game changer for both family law professionals and clients alike. Detour Life is an innovative online program which guides clients to easily input and organize the exhaustive document and financial disclosure process and provides professionals with streamlined and secure case management. In addition, Detour Life has comprehensive client onboarding, a secure document repository, income and expense sync, parenting plan agreement features, and much more. I use Detour Life myself, and honestly, one of my favorite features and one that my clients love as well is that they can securely link all of their financial accounts directly to the Detour Life platform so that their information is automatically uploaded and updated as time goes on. So whether you're getting a divorce or are a divorce professional, I urge you to check it out yourself. Go to Detour Life, that's D-T-O-U-R dot L-I-F-E, and sign up for their free 14-day trial. Then use code SUSAN20 to get 20% off a subscription. Coming up on today's episode of the Divorce and Beyond podcast. Documentation is the lifeblood of the divorce process. So Get statements, start collecting right away. Even if you're not sure of what you're collecting, just start making copies. Too much? There's no such thing as too much in the divorce process. Hello, and welcome to the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host. As a top divorce attorney and family law mediator for 30 years, I know what you need to know to get through your divorce, and most importantly, how to move beyond it to thrive and transition to your new future. My experts and I are here to give you the insider view into the process, so listen in for the wisdom and expert information you need on your journey through divorce and beyond. Hello and welcome to a special two-part episode where we're going to be tackling the top five financial roadblocks of divorce. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host, and for such an important topic, I have not one, but two expert guests to help guide you through the maze that can be the financial aspects of divorce. Um, I know that this is an area where there's a great deal of fear generated for people as they face the concept of divorce, the idea of divorce, because basically you're taking the marital financial pot and you're going to be dividing it. So I know this is an area that for so many people uh, generates uncertainty. They really don't know where to start. So I'm bringing in the founders of My Divorce Solution, which we'll talk about more, but is something Something that um, I think is truly innovative and really a solution, <laughs> hence the name, for anyone who is contemplating divorce to consider. But my two guests are Karen Shalou and Katherine Shanahan, who are joining me today. And I want to give you just a little background on the ladies uh, because they are truly impressive professionals 
And they've really come together from a broad financial background and legal background to uh, create My Divorce Solution, which, as I said, is a really innovative way to approach this financial aspect of divorce. So first off, let's talk about Catherine. Catherine is a CDFA. You all know how much I love my certified divorce financial analyst. And she has been in the financial industry for over 25 years. Um, And she's had her own experience of divorce, which is what actually led her to become a certified divorce financial analyst. She's also, love this, a trained mediator and a collaboratively trained professional. So she comes from, you know, my favorite and my my compatriots in the collaborative and mediative world. Her partner, Karen Chalou, is the legal liaison for My Divorce Solution, and she, for over 30 years, has been working in the legal field as both a paralegal and a business manager. And importantly, she's also a certified quadro administrator. So the two ladies join me today to help you identify the top five financial roadblocks of divorce, but also to plow through those roadblocks, know how to really approach and tackle those roadblocks so that you can have smooth sailing during the financial aspects of your divorce. So ladies, I I very much appreciate you joining me and and my listeners today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be with you and your listeners. So dive in to deconstructing those five roadblocks um, for financial clarity, because this is really what that area, as we talked about, that is just so fear-inducing for people as they go into divorce. And one of the things that I love about my divorce solution is you really break this down into something simple, um, that it's it's easy to digest for people. And that's what you've actually done here for this episode is you've kind of broken down these roadblocks for people. So first off, we want to talk about access. Step one, roadblock one. That is so true. And that is creates the most panic, I think, for people is, especially if you weren't the financial uh, manager in your household, you do you know, just thinking about, well, where do I go and how do I get those documents? And gaining access to financial documents can be super expensive if you wait until after you hire the attorney um, or wait until after you start the mediation process. Um, Because that, not only are you trying to negotiate or work through your issues, but you're also trying to collect documentation. Documentation is the lifeblood of the divorce process. So get statements, start collecting right away. Even if you're not sure of what you're collecting, just start making copies. Too much, there's no such thing as too much in the divorce process. Um, And I also like to remind our clients that when they're collecting documentation um, and they go to the financial institution to get statements for several years or or whatever it may be, it's really not necessary to tell them that you're getting a divorce or that there's a dispute going on because that makes the professional or the institution or the person helping you get statements, all of a sudden they're going to be very reticent to help you. You should know that these statements are yours to have. You don't have to have an excuse. So get the documents that you can. Um, 
Yeah, I want to stop you there for one second, because, you know, on the flip side of that, if you don't have enough courage to go and do that, because it is really daunting for people to go to the financial institution and ask for money or liquidate money. Um, However, if you're in that position and you can't do that, then you do want to go to that financial institution and tell them that you're going through a divorce to stop your spouse from having being having the ability to liquidate any monies. So just remember what position you're in here. Yeah, that's a very good point to make. So part of the uh, portrait when we're working through that with clients is helping them gain access to their documents. We take them through one step at a time so that it doesn't become so overwhelming and that eventually it becomes um, more comfortable to them to start to know what's going to be important. So for purposes of this conversation, we're going to use a 401k plan as an example of uh, the roadblock, so to speak. So Catherine, um, put the 401k plan into perspective as it relates to gaining access to documents. Okay. So, you know, with the 401k, if you're not the employee, you really feel like you don't have any access and you really don't have any ability to call the employer to get that information. So you're feeling behind the eight ball here because you're waiting for your spouse to give you this information. And most conversations with spouses are, that's my 401k. My employer won't let you have that 401k. It has to stay in my name. They can feel how they want to feel, but that's not the truth. If it is considered marital asset, you have a right to that 401k. So how you will notice if you have a 401k might be on your pay stubs if you've seen your... Um, spouse's pay stub. If you see your year-end statement from the employer, you'll notice it on your w, their W-2s. There's a little box there that'll show how much was just, um, withheld for the year. You'll also see it on your tax return if there are any liquidations made throughout the years. Um, you'll find that on the 1040 right there on the first page. So there's a lot of places to know that the 401k exists. You also should be aware that if your spouse or yourself has worked for a prior employer, those monies could have been rolled over or liquidated. So you might find that again on past year's tax returns, or you might know that those monies are still there. We might need to find that out. And we'll see that through a lot of past year tax returns. So there's also hiring letters, there's employment contracts. There's a lot of places to find out if there's a 401k. And it's really important to know this because those are also deductions that get added back in for support purposes. That's a volunteer, voluntary deduction, not mandatory. So it's important to know the differences for that for calculating child support and if you're eligible for spousal support. Yeah, and it's a great point. I love that you make the point of people trying to pull as much of this documentation together themselves before the process even starts. Because people always think, I know when they come through the attorney's door, that we have some sort of magic wand that is going to, we push a button and suddenly we have all of this paperwork for them. There is no magic button. We have to go through filing certain um, requests for production. We have to issue subpoenas to financial institutions. Every single aspect of that is cha-ching, cha-ching, and it is costing you money because once you involve your attorney in that gathering process, 
you're paying for your attorney to go through that gathering process. So the more that you can pull together and understand much as what you, I love that you're talking about this, you know, not just um, this general idea of, of there might be a 401k, but where you can actually go look to see if there's one. Um, that's great information for someone and those, this data is probably there. I always say, start with the tax returns, much like you just said, Catherine, it's really the, the place where it's going to start telling you quite a bit about your finances. It's true because some things will appear in your tax return that does not appear in your W-2 that may not appear in your payroll deduction statement. So a tax return really is a great place to start and having several years of them. Um, and I don't care how far back you go, as long as it's during your marital years, if you can access that that doc, that information, it's it's very useful. Yeah, Absolutely, the roadmap. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. And for those um, who feel like they don't have access to their tax returns, you know, it, it's important to know that if you have an accountant, you're entitled to a copy. So you can call your accountant and get a copy of a joint tax return or your personal tax return. For those who are not sure or you don't use an accountant, a lot of people use TurboTax and things like that, um, there's a form, an IRS form 4506. Uh, the form with the T next to it means transcript, but you can order a copy of your tax return. You can do it right online or you can do it through the mail. I think during COVID, the, the mail access has been shut down, but you can go online and get your tax return that way. Again, again, it's IRS form 4506. And that's okay, a great way. You, yeah, but I have to tell you, I'm always suspicious of people who can cite IRS tax form numbers. <laughs> you are smarter people than I am. <laughs> Oh yeah, they're great, you know, and it, it's just a really, just makes it so much easier instead yeah, of scrambling. Time, though. I do want people to know that the IRS, just like in any governmental right. body, mm -hmm. is not speedy with getting you things. So something mm -hmm. to do if you don't have easy access to your joint tax returns, send in that request for those past year tax returns um, as quickly as possible because you may wait a while. Right. Right. So remember, when it comes to access, even though you cannot access it yourself immediately, there is no reason why we should not be able to get it accessible to you. Yeah. It's your right to get this information. Right. Good so point. in case you're pulling that information together, that I think the next roadblock for people is really understanding the components of what they're dealing with, of what that financial picture looks like. Right. That's absolutely true. And as I said a little while ago, um, the financial documentation is the lifeblood of the divorce process or negotiating the divorce process. So as you start to collect the documentation, it's very important that you stay engaged and learn the components of what would be considered marital, separate, um, joint, um, things like that. So a broad overview of the important financial documentations are, like we were just talking about, income tax returns. First and foremost, that is probably the document you want to track down for probably three to five years. Um, pay statements, bank account information, brokerage account statements, loan applications. Loan applications can be very important pieces of paper when you're negotiating a divorce. Business ownership records shareholder agreements, very important. 
uh, real estate records, stock options, retirement accounts, pension plan information, credit card statements, insurance policies, trust agreements. The list goes on and on from there. But if you just start, not just once you gain access and you start collecting documents, that's great. But as you start to put them together, become engaged with them. Try to start understanding what they are because as you go through the process, these documents not only are going to be important to you as getting them to your professional, but it's going to be important that you start to learn what they mean to your divorce. So again, we're going to relate this to a 401k plan. So like all investments, every investment has a component to it. With the 401k, you have to realize that there's an employer portion of the contribution and there's an employee portion of the contribution. That's important for a lot of reasons. And the most, the most, the four, the most, excuse me, at the forefront of it is, is for support calculations. Again, this is a voluntary deduction that you are taking as the employee. So it will affect what your net income is for support. That number can be changed. So you may, you may have found during your marriage, you weren't maxing out, your, your spouse was not maxing out because you needed more money at home to pay your bills. Now, all of a sudden, during divorce, you'll notice that that contribution is getting maxed out. So um, you want to be able to check that number when we get the statements, which is, is easy to do as soon as we get the statements. Another part, another component of a 401k is that that money is accessible to you through the incident of divorce. You can do a withdrawal from your 401k without the 10% excise tax if you're before the age of 59 and a half. The monies are still taxable, so that has to be reconciled between the two spouses. But if you feel that there's no monies there to hire your professional to go through mediation, hopefully first, or any other process that you have to go through to hire us to help you with your financials, that money is accessible to you. Um, so you should know that that is a component of it. Another really big component of this is a tax-deferred investment. There aren't very many tax-deferred investments out there. So it's wise to take advantage of a 401k if it's offered to you through your employer. But you have to realize that if you are negotiating away that asset in your settlement because your spouse is really hell-bent on keeping it and you really are convinced that you need to keep the marital home so you think it's an even wash, it's not really an even wash when you take into the tax considerations of that investment. It has to be reconciled. It's a major component of a 401k. Um, so don't overlook that. Again, important information here is the date of hire, the date of separation, and the date of your marriage. Those are important dates to determine the marital portion of the 401k. So if your spouse is saying, no, that's mine, maybe he has a premarital component to it. Maybe he doesn't. But knowing the date of hire, the date of marriage, and the date of separation uh, will help us determine that. Very Another very important component of a 401k. And again, this is one component to one type of investment that you might have in your portfolio. So every investment has different components to it. Be aware of them. Yeah, such a good point. And another point I just want to make for people is valuing the marital portion is going to vary based upon the laws in the state that you're in. 
Um, so in some states, in Connecticut where I, I practice, the date of your separation doesn't matter. Um, we don't value things based on when people file for divorce or when the parties are determined to be separated. They get valued as of the date of dissolution, which is a positive for one party and a negative for the other. <laughs> so, but there will be different laws, but it's important to understand just because there's an account that says, I make up a number, $200,000 in a 401k. Some of that may have been earned if your spouse has been with that job before you got married. Some of that 401k may be premarital, as you pointed out. And the law of your state is going to apply to whether or not that portion that was earned before you got married is considered marital or non-marital. And then the increase in income, or, you know, it earns money over time. So there's a lot of different components to that factor, but the key part is pulling it all together and understanding the components, getting the information so your experts can figure that out for you. Right. Exactly. Good point. Yes. State to state, it varies. Yeah, quite yeah. drastically in some. I, being a yeah. practitioner in California and Connecticut, one's equitable distribution, one's community property. Very different. Um, yes. <laughs> under those two. Hello, listeners. I just want to thank everyone who has gone and already signed up to become members of the Divorce and Beyond Members Only Community. Those people who have signed up are already enjoying all of the exclusive benefits of membership, which include downloadable materials, the archive of the podcast, which is all ad-free. You get exclusive members-only podcast episodes, the Ask Susan Anything forum. And in fact, we've just uploaded a new answer to that. There's a monthly membership newsletter, and we're going to have videos, including the one that we just loaded from Dr. Kabeca from last week on getting your sexy back. So come on over to divorceandbeyondpod.com and join the community. It's only $10 a month, and we can't wait to welcome you there. Stay tuned for more from Susan and her guests, Karen Chalou and Catherine Shanahan of My Divorce Solution in part one of tackling the top five financial roadblocks in divorce. And one of the first things that a lot of people do is fill out a financial disclosure or fill out a budget or an intake form for a mediator or whatever it may be. And something that we like to caution people about is Please do not guesstimate. You have your documents, and the data is really important for a specific reason. So it's not really a good idea to round up or round down because all of that data is going to be relied upon. If you are enjoying this episode, check out It's Never Too Early to Start Healing with Karen Millen. Something that was really helpful to me was, you know, the minute that you feel that you're stuck that you're not happy, that you're perhaps dealing with something you don't want to be dealing with or you don't deserve. Um, Starting your healing journey and going to therapy or being really aware of why you're feeling that and, and, and how is this manifesting in your life and what are you doing to conceal it or resist it. It's sort of the first start of the healing journey. And now we return to today's show. the next roadblock, which is interpretation. Right. So now that um, you've learned, you've have, you got your access, you've got your documents, you're feeling good about now, what do they mean? 
And one of the first things that a lot of people do is fill out a financial disclosure or fill out a budget or an intake form for a mediator or whatever the it may be. And something that we like to caution people about is please do not guesstimate. You have your documents and the data is really important for a specific reason. So it's not really a good idea to round up or round down because all of that data is going to be relied upon. So some, and to what we were already speaking about previously in the components, some of those documents contain very important information that may not be apparent to you until you really get to know how they relate to your divorce. Dates, times, places, amounts, pays, and other details can become critical pieces of data as you move through the divorce. The value of assets at the time of marriage may be important, especially if the marital, if, if it's marital or community property to, do, to be divided, and whether it's going to include appreciation or not. Um, and Susan, you just went over that really well. So sometimes you need documentation for a, a longer period of time because your professional needs to interpret that data as it relates to the division of marital assets. For major documents such as financial statements, tax returns, brokerage accounts, you may want every single page you can put your hands on. Because again, there's data that Catherine extracts data like no one I've ever seen. She's, <laughs> she just zeroes <laughs> in on something I would never even guess. So um, it's really important. So make sure that you know you have it collected, you have it gathered together and in a place that your professional can interpret it for you so that you can definitely understand what it means. So yeah, yeah we're going to go back to that 401k statement again as it relates to interpretation. Yeah, do your magic, Catherine, with that 401k <laughs> statement. Incredible. <laughs> Well, one of the great things that I love about investment statements, you know, as an investment planner for so long, but one of the things I love is when there's 13 pages and for some reason, page number eight and nine are missing up the 13, but they're giving you everything. And on page eight or nine, and this is not really for 401k, this is really for a taxable investment. A lot of times they'll show what that investment had in long-term and short-term capital gains for the year. That's important because if you're taking that investment as part of your distribution, that's a taxable event that you'll get hit with when it comes to April of the following year. I have seen countless people not really care about that. And then here comes April and they're responsible for the tax gain on that, which could be 20, 30%. I don't know what your tax bracket is, right? So now they've negoti negotiated away probably a tax deferred investment like the 401k to keep this one because they wanted the cash in hand and never considered what was on page eight and nine. And don't quote those pages. I'm just pulling those out of my head right now. Right. Um, the other thing is you'll see the, the, the investment advisor's fees on a page, you know, so an investment advisor, you should always check what their fees are. But again, there's just certain information that's missing on certain pages. So I find it interesting when we get 13 or missing two very important ones. But when it comes to a 401k, you have to know, and, and actually this works for any investment also. I remember a client that we had, and she unfortunately should have been through mediation because they wanted to start that way. And it ended up that they ended up going to litigation. And I, I swear if I was a betting woman, which I kind of am, but um, I was not betting at the time, I would have bet my house that if she would have had financial clarity, they would have been through mediation. 
And from the time we met her to the time they ended up settling, she was so convinced that he was hiding money because he, she said, he has 11 different accounts. There's 11 accounts. And Karen and I are like, what, are, what is she talking about? So we go through the statement and I realized, and I remember the day I said to Karen, I know what she's talking about. In her investment account, there were 11 different components or different investments within that account, but it all made up the one value. She just didn't understand that. She, she's a smart woman. She just didn't get it. So when, when I counted up and it was 11, I really felt proud of her because she did realize there were 11 sub-accounts. The only thing that was not made clear was that it all was the one sum that was definitely disclosed. But she must have had tons of communications with her attorney paying for it because we saw her bills just to try to get this clarity. Very important component of understanding what the investments are. And same thing with the 401k. It's different than a 403b. It's different than an IRA. Um, it's different than your government pension. There, there are different types of vehicles out there. And know that you can have one or multiple. You can have a 401k, but that doesn't mean you don't have RSUs, restricted stock units, and options or a grant. You have to see the employer package because a 401k, if your spouse says, yes, here's the 401k, this is what we have. Don't forget to ask about the other deferred employee compensation packages that can also go along with that. I'm going to add one more um, line item to that as well. Just um, I'm a quadro administrator, so I'm often involved in writing that document that separates 401k accounts. And we actually run into a lot of attorneys who don't understand that um, IRAs do not need a quadro to divide an IRA. We also run into a lot of situations where a spouse or a client even will have multiple 401k accounts from prior employers. Sometimes it may be a good idea to get those rolled over into an IRA before splitting so you don't have to go through uh, the quadro process. It's a much easier um, pathway to divide an IRA than it is to divide a 401k plan. So again, the interpretation of the documents, if you know what you have in front of you, there are some steps you can take to either understand them better or manage them during the divorce process because retirement plans um, specifically require, um, you know, special, um, what word am I looking for? Vehicles. I always Thank call you. it a vehicle. Yeah. <laughs> to get those divided uh, between yeah. spouses. Yeah. I will yeah. say, Susan, with our, with our, the NPS financial portrait, this component or, or roadblock is probably the one I'm most excited about because we do have a report that the mediators get to work with, with their clients and it is the recommendations and considerations so if you're listening to this and you're fearful that, oh, no, I don't know all those components and I don't know what that comprised of, that's in one of our reports. We do go through every asset that's in your marital settlement, your marital settlement agreement. You're not there yet. In yeah. your marital estate, <laughs> and we go through some recommendations and considerations for each um, account. Well, a great point. And, and what I was going to say is, is I want people who are listening, whose heads are spinning right now, because they've now heard 401k, quadro, 403b, you know, um, IRA, all of the RSUs. First of all, for some reason in financial world and legal world, we do like to shorten everything down to an acronym, which makes it very <laughs> difficult for us. But, but it's, if this is all sounding like we are speaking a foreign language to you, 
that is not, you know, cut yourself some slack. This is what we deal with every single day for years and years and have training in, but that should show you what you don't know and why you need to get some professional help to help you deal with the five roadblocks that we're talking about. Uh, you know, the fact that Catherine can wave her magic wand over a statement and pull out the, the magic information that you need to know um, is, is we're making a joke about that, but it's not, it's, oh, and actually Karen, you just said you've run into attorneys who don't even know there's a difference between an IRA and a 401k in dividing it, that one needs a quadro and one does not. I've also sadly run into that situation and questioned the competence of that practitioner because it's something that we as legal professionals should know. I do have one quick question, Catherine. We were talking about those statements. So they're missing page eight and nine. We see that. But every statement always has at the very end a blank page that says, this page left intentionally blank. Why the heck do they have that extra page at the end? Because we get into legal fights over that stupid page because it's always missing. They're like, well, we didn't send it to you because it was blank. Yeah, I well, you should send it to because for me, in my belief, and as, for as long as I was a financial planner, I believe that end, that was the end mark, the, the second bookmark to the ending of the document. So if that's not there, how do we know something isn't missing? Great point. And that's exactly what uh, another financial advisor had said to me because I was like, this is just a waste of paper. They're killing another tree with this. And they said this actually <laughs> marks the end of the document. We're going to break right here for part one, but don't worry, Karen and Catherine will be back in a special bonus episode, part two, with the final two financial roadblocks in divorce on Thursday. So join us then. Thank you for joining me today on the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I hope you found some information and inspiration to help you on this journey. Please join me every Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for a new episode. And if you like the show, please take the time to subscribe and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. You can also find more information on the website at divorceandbeyondpod.com where you'll find links to the YouTube channel, transcripts of the episodes, and other bonus content. So I'll see you next week to help you move through your divorce and beyond.